one boom what up ladies and gents the law is on today <laughs> we're gonna be talking about how to protect yourself in your business so if you are ever interested in getting some legal advice well maybe this episode's for you let's get this one started here we go shut up and sit down look a business can give you everything you want in life prestige wealth freedom it can also take everything away from you this show is for those who are willing to take that risk these are the real life stories of entrepreneurs. But before we start, I have one small favor to ask. Please leave a comment. It can be advice, critiques, tips, feedback, or share this with someone because your engagement is the most valuable and most powerful form of social currency. So thank you. And welcome to another episode of Business Right, here we go. Success <laughs> can put a target on your back. Sometimes you might find yourself in a legal battle where you're simply defending your company even though you yourself didn't actually do anything. Having a good legal team can save you so much time, energy, and money. Preventative medicine is always best when it comes to your health, and preventative legal representation is good for your wealth. So how do you find a trustworthy attorney? That's the question for today's guest. So let's welcome to the show from Troxel and Fitch, Nicholas Troxel. I told you it was going to be a good <laughs> time, yeah. Nick. Welcome to the show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Great to be here. I appreciate it. That was a hell oh. of an intro. I liked it. There you go, dude. I told you I was going to keep you smiling. Lots of energy. We're going to have some fun making some content. All right, dude. Um, I'll, I'll, I'm going to just get to the skinny, man. Lawyers don't have the greatest reputations of all time, right? Uh, so tell me, how do I find a trustworthy attorney? Yeah, you know, it's funny you say that. I mean, I think that just like anything else where there's so many different, uh, there's so many of us, uh, you get a lot of good ones, you get a lot of bad ones. Um, I think the biggest thing for me, my advice in terms of finding one that's trustworthy, I mean, you got to sit down with people. I'm, I'm pretty old school in that I always say, hey, look, this is going to be a trusted relationship. Let's meet in person. Let's get a coffee. Let's whatever it be, have a lunch, have you come by the office. Now, some people like to just do phone calls for the efficiency, whatever it may be. Right. But I think that's that's always my go to is you got to be able to sit down with somebody, feel them out, feel a you know, the, the way they interact. A lot of times you can read a lot into the body language, things like that, but just like anything else, right? I mean, trust is, is, is built over time. Um, and I think you gotta find somebody who, who you can kind of start building that trust with and then um, just stick with people over time. I think that the biggest way that people end up with attorneys who aren't uh, good or trustworthy is they, they change attorneys a lot. Um, mm. And, and, you know, they might be, shopping for the lowest price or shopping for you know any number of things and when you don't have that relationship it's much harder to have that trust yeah and i always talk about the same thing with like mentors and coaches people who are going to push you and, and people who either have to represent you you gotta have at least a couple conversations and be like who is this guy do we jive are we on the same page and then take that next step forward. I mean, you're not getting married right away. You got to start the dating process somehow, some way with your customers and clients. All right, man, Nick, how long have you been in law, dude? How, how'd you get into it? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So I've been practicing for just about five years. Um, and so, so actually, uh, it's kind of interesting. So I actually initially went to law school thinking, hey, I'm going to kind of learn how to run a business. I always, I was always entrepreneurial. 
Um, and I actually kind of joke. So my first uh, business idea was actually trying to do like revolutionize pre and post workout nutrition with with uh, like cannabis um, using like CBD and protein shakes and things like that. Um, now it ended up just never being able to execute on that um, just with going to law school. But I had that itch pre law school um, of starting some type of business. And so I actually even in undergrad. Uh, my plan was, hey, I'm going to get this degree in accounting. Then I'm going to get a degree in law. I'm going to have these building blocks to, to know how to run a business. And then through practicing law, be able to amass some capital and be able to start that business. So that was what really led me to do kind of what I did here is, is you know, I was going to go work for a big law firm and kind of explore one of those routes. But for me, I looked at it and I knew it in my heart. I was an entrepreneur myself. And so as much as working with other entrepreneurs, scratch that itch um kind of it wasn't you know i needed that full you know exposure to to be in the captain of my own ship like so many of us do right you, you kind of realize hey nothing else is going to cut it yeah man you got to go your own route at some point plus you picked probably one of the most boring degrees that i should know because i got my same i got the degree <laughs> the same thing dude accounting uh, I mean, it, it's one of those, it, for me, it was, uh, I had a first business and it flopped. And then, you know, trying to get myself out of a financial hole, I'm like, well, number one is who the hell is Uncle Sam? Why is he taking all my money? And number two, how do I manage these things, this damn money? Like, it's just going to go out. How do I fix it? So, of course, education goes a, a long way when you're, when you're determined to learn something and, and help yourself in a situation, you're, nothing's going to stop you. So you could have picked a bunch of different types of law that you went into. Uh, how did you get into it? And where did you meet Josh? Yeah, absolutely. So Josh and I, we actually met at Admitted Students Day at, at CU. Um, and so that was before either of us actually had decided we were going to go to uh, University of Colorado. Um, and so we met at Admitted Students Day. We kind of both were coming from undergrad. We both had grand ambitions of what we were going to do. We weren't sure, sure if we were going to go to CU yet. So we actually got sat at the same table and we were both kind of iffy on each other. We we're like, wow, I don't know who this guy is. Um, fast forward uh, six months to the first day of orientation at, at CU. Um, and they do a big uh, intro the first day where they kind of say, hey, be aware. You know, a lot of you are going to have issues with drug and alcohol and depression. I mean, it's a big thing in the law. And, oh, uh, hell no. <laughs> really? <laughs> uh, so we actually, you know, people were really stressing out about that. Um, and we were kind of like, man, these guys are freaking out about something that, that you know, hasn't even come close to being in play yet. So uh, we kind of connected over that and said, hey, I, I don't think this is going to be as stressful and, and uh, crippling as, as some of these guys make it out to be. So that's how we initially. I'm sorry. I took it too far. Okay, all right. I get it. Too much. Too much there. Yeah. So then we uh, we actually lived together throughout law school. And so the dream of what we did kind of built up through there. We realized that as much as we we like to work with entrepreneurs, we are entrepreneurs ourselves and um, had to set out to, to have a law firm that was a little bit different than than the traditional model. So like when entrepreneurs start, it's it's a funny journey when you when you first get this idea in your head that you're going to go into business for yourself. 
I always think of it as a lottery ticket effect. You go buy a lottery ticket and you start imagining like, this is what my life is going to be like. This is the, the house I'm going to buy, the car I'm going to drive, you know, all these things I'm going to do uh, until the lottery numbers come out and reality kind of sets in. And I feel like entrepreneurs go through that same thing. The, the idea pops in their head and they start dreaming about everything that they're going to accomplish. And then the reality sets in. You got to get down and do the work. And then you hit road bump after road bump and another wall and something gets in your way. And it's just like everything that kind of compiles itself and entrepreneurs keep pushing through those things. What have been some of your biggest struggles as you get started as an entrepreneur in the last five years? Absolutely. I mean, I think one of the biggest things that it, that pretty much every entrepreneur can relate to is, is getting business in the door. Um, when we first started the law firm, uh, we were just, you know, I was 25, Josh was 26. You know, neither of us came for money. We didn't have any clients. We really didn't have anything, right? And so uh, getting work in the door, I mean, uh, I think that's the first step that everybody has to take. You know, we were driving Lyft and uh, we would work in the office, you know, it was, uh, 8 a.m. to 3 p.m., drive Lyft until 11 p.m. to keep the lights on those first three, four months, um, eating canned beans. And, you know, you realize pretty quick legal work pays better than, than driving Lyft and you push a little <laughs> bit harder on that front. Um, but, yeah, that was certainly the first issue. I mean, I think there are so many of the same ongoing issues that, that you and speed bumps you run into in law, just like anything else sales keeping keeping not only people coming in the door but the right people right and 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 weeding out not just hey take anything you can get but getting to the point where hey we're, we're, we're going with highly qualified leads um we're going with people who really want to work with us um as well as i mean you know the dynamics of owning a business with somebody else i think that no matter how good of friends you are i mean josh and i are, are, are very close friends and we continue to be um but even with that, right? I mean, it's it's tough to run a business with somebody else. Um, you know, you're you're you're, you know, it, I always joke. We always joke, right? It's it's always easier to remember the days you worked late than the days somebody else worked late, and having those mm. dynamics of figuring things out and you know who's who who has what roles, things like that, right? And so, you know, a lot of that goes back to and what we can kind of rest comfortably on is just knowing that we've. Um, had these discussions, those tough conversations up front to determine what we want to do in certain situations. And so it's been invaluable. But I mean, I think all businesses kind of face the same same primary issues, right? Sales, execution. Um, those are those are always ongoing things that you can get better at. Yeah, man, like it, the improvement is there. It's, it's something that you work at and, and you make mistakes. And especially when you're working with somebody and you have difference of opinions in direction that you want to go in. Like you're talking about your last couple dollars here when you're driving for Lyft and trying to make ends meet here. Like those are tough times that you get through as, as an entrepreneur. Now, you're helping entrepreneurs get started. And during those tough times, there are also situations that I feel they might overlook from a legal standpoint. What are some of those things that every entrepreneur needs to do at the very beginning to stay as safe as possible? Absolutely. So, I, I mean, if you have, I think the biggest thing that I see is not having any type of entity in place. I mean, what I always tell people is, at least sitting down and even doing it by yourself, getting some type of LLC or something is better than nothing, right? I think a lot of people look at kind of business legal work and, and granted it is risk mitigation, but people see it as, hey, well, I don't have that much at risk right now. 
So I'm going to uh, kind of punt on on handling some of the legal stuff. What a lot of people don't realize is that leaves them incredibly exposed. And so somebody might go in and they might say, hey, you know, I don't have much in this business, but they might have a personal house. They might have a savings account. They might have stocks, whatever it is, right? And if you go into a business, <coughs> excuse me. <clears throat> so the idea behind, you know, when you hear of like an LLC, right? The limited liability company. That limited liability refers to the fact that if you have an LLC that you're properly operating, you can, you, you know, and you're doing business, if the business gets sued, people are limited to collect against the assets of that LLC. So your house, your savings account, things like that, they're going to be protected. So it allows you to feel a little bit more comfortable going and do your business, which is already a very risky endeavor that, hey, I may risk the business. The business may fail, but my life won't fail. And I think that that's the that's the biggest thing that I see that people should do is that, you know, they, they, they take this risk, but it doesn't need to be, you know, um, a foolish risk. Right. It, it could be a calculated risk. It can be a mitigated risk. And those are that's a big thing that we do. Right. Is is help guide people. of Hey, what entity type fit, you know suits you best for getting started? Ease of use tax, uh, you know, the best thing for taxes uh, at a gate and that, you know, that only amplifies if you have a co-owner because people don't argue over what the agreement is when there's no money on the table, right? And I think this is another huge mistake that I see people make is, well, hey, I don't want to sit here and have this difficult conversation about how money is split up or what happens if one of us dies or, um, you know, what happens if we disagree or who's the ultimate decision maker, things like that. People don't want to have those conversations at the outset uh, because they're hard conversations to have. But you really need to have them at the beginning because um, once money's on the table, you're definitely not going to be able to have them, right? And so that's why it's super, super important. You know, what I always say is that's that's when you really need to work with somebody like us because we're going to bring up, you know, you can have an agreement about, hey, this is how money is split up. But oftentimes, you know, people we work with, there's a lot of things that they don't consider. Um that they need to get worked out in that initial agreement. You know, a lot of people just say, hey, well, this is how we want money split up, or this is how, you know, that's the big one, right? People are like, well, it's 70, 30. It's like, well, what does that mean? Do you, I mean, there's so many more considerations that that go into owning a business together. And again, it's just it's super important to address those up front. Otherwise, you know, once a hundred million dollars is on the table, shoot, even, you know, 500 grand people will, that's that's what we see the most is people going going crazy when once money gets on the table. And when you talk about uh, having these entities structures in place, there's a number of different ways that you can set them up. Um, I I have a 17 year old students, uh, high school students, right? We're ta- they're taking a class called financial algebra with me, and I'm having them form little companies in class. Right? I want them to kind of get this thing uh, off and rolling. And when I try to explain entities to them, I, I kind of use the, a clone mentality, right? What if you could clone yourself and now you have this other person that you make that person do all the work that you don't want to do. They do the dishes, they clean your room, they do your homework so that you can be free to do other things. And if they mess up, like they're the ones in trouble, not you, but they're responsible for some of the stuff. When you talk about those entity structures, um, there are some that people think they have protection and they don't and some that do actually have liability protection um 
can you kind of go over the different entities that are available and which ones are are actually entities in and of themselves with uh, EIN numbers and articles and all that? Absolutely, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I will say that, you know, oftentimes you can have an EIN even in an entity that it isn't limited liability protected. But so what I would say is, I mean, so there are default classifications. So if somebody just goes into business by themselves, they're going to be deemed a sole proprietor. That does not have any limited liability protection with it. Even so if I file are, a company name? Right, exactly. Even if you file for a trade name or a DBA, you know, you hear a lot of people are, well, you know, I'm going to just do the DBA because for tax purposes, it's still going to go through on the, um, you know, it's it, it's going to be yeah, treated see. the same, everything like that. Um, and so people will avoid, you know, booking an actual uh, uh, entity because, hey, I got the DBA, right? And it, to them, it seems the same. But that's going to be, you know, a sole proprietor. Everything you have is at risk, right? Your house, your savings account, anything you own of value could be could be taken from you in a lawsuit. Um, similarly, if you go into business with another person and you do the same thing, you're going to be deemed a general partnership. I mean, I would even argue at that point, you could be more exposed because now that other person can bind you to liability through this deemed general partnership, even if you don't have a say in it, right? You go into business with somebody else, you don't have an entity in place, they go take out a loan and they say it's on behalf of the partnership. You could be personally liable for that loan, even though you didn't have any, you know, you didn't do anything with it, right? And so that's why it's very important to be mindful about this. There's two, it, it's two, you know, what I always say is you have this vision of your, of what you're going to do, right? You were talking about the lottery, what you're going to do, you know, what you're going to do with your life when you get rich and everything like that. You kind of see the stars in your eyes. Well, if you, if you think, you know, if you think that's what's going to happen and you believe in that, wouldn't you want to make sure that you're protected and achieving that and actually getting there and making sure that, Hey, you don't put in all this work and have this success and then end up with nothing. So all that say, going back to your initial question. So those are the, you know, if you don't do anything, that's typically the only time you're going to fall into those buckets where you're really, really exposed. Um, now filing limited liability company, a corporation, a limited liability partnership. Um, I mean, those are the ones you typically see as being having that limited liability protection. There are other ones, I mean, a limited partnership, if you're one of the limited partners, you would have limited liability protection, um, not as the general partner of that. Um, those are those are the main ones you would see. I mean, there are other nuanced entity types, but you know, we, we pretty much advise most of the time that an LLC or a corporation is, is really the, the, the best form, and I mean, I would say 90% of the time an LLC is what makes most sense for, for small business owners because it's just simple. It's the simplest. It, it comes with the same limited liability. It, it's very flexible in terms of its internal governance. Um, so we often now the one thing to keep in mind, though, and the reason why working with the business attorney right away is important is there are rare circumstances where I mean, I shouldn't say rare. There are circumstances where if you're not operating the entity properly and somebody sues you, they can do what's called piercing the corporate veil. Um, and what that entails is, is kind of saying that, that the entity is more or less a sham and they could come after your personal assets anyways. And so I think that your example was probably good and digestible for kids, but it actually kind of made me 
a little bit concerned because the idea is that if the entity is an alter ego of yourself and it's not separate and distinct, if you're not maintaining separate bank accounts, if you're not, you know, if you're, you have to make sure you're not commingling funds or paying for personal expenses straight out of the business account or paying for business expenses personally without some record, right? You need to have records of, hey, you know, you're paying yourself out of the company and then paying expenses. Or if you're paying for an expense, the company's properly reimbursing you. Um, you need to make sure all the contracts you sign, leases, things like that are on behalf of the entity and not yourself. You need to make sure that your entity, you know, is like in Colorado, it's the law that if you have an LLC, it has to have LLC or limited in the name, things like that. So all that to say, I mean, working with the business attorney, they're going to be able to help guide you and say, hey, this is these are the things you need to do to make sure that you're, you know, because I think about it as as all on a spectrum, right? If you do nothing, you're in the worst place for potential liability. If you do at least something right, if you at least that's why I even say like, hey, if you're sitting there and you're like, hey, you know, do I use do this myself? Do I try to use LegalZoom? Do I use a, a business attorney? It's really all on a spectrum, right? If like doing it yourself, you're better than doing nothing, but you're still exposed, right? LegalZoom might be a little bit better, but you're still not optimized. Working with someone you trust and that can walk you through these things and not just pump out documents, but explain to you, this is what these documents mean. This is how you use them. This is how you utilize the LLC, right? Those, the, that, that's gonna be how you optimize that limited liability protection. And of course, that's what I'm always going to advise because, again, it's that idea of, hey, look, I fully understand and I can relate to that feeling when you start a business of not having a ton of cash to spend money willy-nilly, right? But I think that people often look at legal as, hey, I'm just getting these pieces of paper. It'll, I'll use them if it ever comes up. But really what it's doing is making sure that all these late nights and hard work that you're putting in when you try to start a business and you start getting those first sales and you finally start hitting those monetary metrics that you want, it's making sure that you don't lose that all over something really dumb. And so that's what I think that kind of mindset of kind of shifting from legal just being, hey, we're putting some papers in place, whatever, to, hey, this is making sure that that hard work you put in is the result of that is protected. And that that you you know, if you work so hard to achieve a dream and then it can all get pulled out from under you in the span of you know six months, it you know it, it's going to be harder to put in those late nights, right? Oh, it would suck having to start over. Like, no way, I would never want to do that. Um, but unfortunately, it happens more often than than you think. People go broke because of suits like that, and and they go down. You have to re-record your cool intro videos. Exactly. <laughs> It'd be over. It'd be done. No. All right. I got another one because we kind of led into it. Um, so part of, of my struggle when I first started was on the entities, figuring out where how those things actually operated, how to sign for stuff. The other thing is on the contract side. So whether it's a real estate contract or you have employment contracts or you have uh, vendor contracts, those are things that we should definitely have looked by an attorney, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the biggest thing that, you know, so I'll say, yeah, you know, having those looked at by an attorney is going to ensure one, that you're complying with the best practices, like we just discussed, and making sure that you're not doing things that could, you know, increase your likelihood of that veil piercing we discussed. 
but it's also going to make sure that you understand that all kind of all the pieces of the transaction are laid out in writing because contracts really do two things they you know there's they're, they're written to make sure you have rights you can enforce if things go wrong but going through the process of doing a, a, a well-drafted contract is also going to make sure that the parties are actually on the same page oftentimes with oral agreements and especially with people who are um, new to business you're not you're not fully fleshing out all the iterations of this is what we need done this is the timeline this is how we pay this is how we determine if the work is up to standards this is you know what happens if there's a disagreement um, all these different things right there's so much to a deal and oftentimes people especially first-time business owners don't really think through I mean they just don't know you just don't know what you don't know right and so when you work with somebody who looks at contracts all day, right? People always joke about, hey, nobody reads the fine print. That's literally what I do for my job, right? And so um, I, you know, you help guide people through those things that don't make sense to them and say, hey, you know, this is what I typically see in this kind of situation. Let's push for this. And it just makes sure that, you know, again, you have a written agreement that not only is enforceable, if, if something goes wrong, but that it actually reflects the party's understanding because I do want to just say this piece real quick, kind of the way we practice law is a little bit different, I think, than a lot of attorneys and that we really push to not just have something that gives you legal rights that are enforceable because keep in mind, right, legal rights that are enforceable require enforcement, which is typically means you're going to have to file some type of legal action. Well, that costs money too, right? The only people who win in lawsuits are really lawyers. Um, and we don't we don't litigate at all. So we have no interest in ever seeing things go to litigation. We get invested in our clients. We want what's best for them, not just in terms of legal rights, but in reality. And so for us, the, the way that we always practice law is, is trying to structure things so that we just avoid that ever coming up. So in the process of our contract drafting review, we really focus on that. Hey, let's make sure through this, we're not just putting in place a piece of paper that might give you rights. Let's make sure that every both both sides really understand what we're agreeing to, because there's very few. I mean, what I always say is if somebody's trying to intentionally kind of screw you, they're typically going to be able to. And it's going to be a hassle to unwind that, you know, with litigation, things like that, no matter what. Right. So you go through this process, you kind of vet people out. Right. It, it, you know, if people aren't willing to agree to things or put things in writing, it, it can kind of tip you off. Hey, this, this may be, right. Maybe this isn't good. And so through that process, I think that you really get to a point where one, you actually have a really good written agreement, but two, the parties are a little bit more aligned um, in, in what needs to get done. And oftentimes, you know, we can help structure, you know, structure agreements and relationships where incentives are aligned enough that it's in neither party's interest to go against the contract. And I think that's really the sweet spot is where you can put together a written agreement where both sides are incentivized to achieve the end goal because they both, you know, the way that the, the monetary or whatever it is, deliverable of goods, it's structured around, you know, aligning both parties' objectives to, you know, incentives to achieve the same objective, so which I think is, yeah, exactly. Because I think what, and I'm sure you you know this too, but for a lot of first-time business owners, they can feel like, hey, people are out to get me, or 
um, you know, whatever it may be. And, and oftentimes you realize, well, people aren't really out to get you. They're, they're just out for themselves, right? You hear the expression all the time. It's not personal. It's just business. Well, you know, you got to expect in business that people are typically going to want to act in their best interest. They're not going to go out of their way to do something that benefits you at their expense. And so you figure out ways that you structure these relationships to make sure that, hey, what benefits me benefits you. You're going to avoid dispute. Yeah, no problem because you're taking care. You had the uh, tough questions asked ahead of time for the structure of your business. You have all the ins and outs of what could possibly happen in your contracts. So you're all taken care of. You're limiting the risk of something happening ahead of time. It's preventative is all hell. That's what exactly what you're doing. Avoid the mistakes. I, I love how you laid it out there. If you already see yourself successful in business, then why aren't you laying down a proper foundation? You're going to build your house on, on, on sand and that's not going to work out. Something's going to give at some point. All right, exactly. Nick, before we head out, man, I want to make sure people are aware. Uh, what state are you in? How can people get a hold of you if they want to work with you? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm in the great state of Colorado. We're in De uh, downtown Denver, Colorado. Um, the best way to get in touch, uh, you know, my, my direct email is listed here, but honestly, efficient, the, the most efficient way is to go to our website, um, just because that'll tee it up with, with uh, the kind of our intake process, just because with me having to work and focus on doing the work, I often am just less responsive than our um, administrative team to get back to you right away. Certainly, if you do want to reach out directly, feel free. It just might take a little bit longer to get back to you. But yeah, I mean, so one thing I will say is that we always offer free 15-minute phone calls. Um, that's a big thing for us because ultimately, we really believe in helping people. Um, and we want to help business owners. We want to help entrepreneurs protect and build their dreams. And so... You know, we, we want to be a resource for our clients and other people. So we do offer those free 15 minute calls. Check us out. You know, if you ever want to chat more or stay in touch, feel free to reach out. Perfect. All right, man. That's the way it works, ladies and gents. Protect yourself. Protect yourself. Protect yourself. Because nobody else is going to protect you. Trust me. There's some times where stuff comes up and you're like, I don't even know this person. And boom, a lawsuit comes in $65,000 later. You settled. I'm telling you, it's from experience. <laughs> Get yourself protected as early as possible. And if you're in the great state of Colorado, right? That's what you said? Yes, sir. Great state of Colorado. Make sure you guys check out the website. Scrolling across the bottom, troxelfitchlaw.com, troxelfitchlaw.com. And, and, and just to clarify, we, we do work with people uh, throughout the U.S., uh, but just we our office is in Colorado. So uh, Perfect. Even better. Colorado. Yeah, even better, ladies and gents. Ooh, crossing state lines, that's the way we operate. Worldwide? Okay, no, no, just U.S., right? Just U.S. Just U.S., yeah. <laughs> All right, Nick, thank you very much for being on the program. Ladies and gents, look, creating fun content, that's what we do. We love to have fun creating podcast episodes, creating social media content. If you guys need help, make sure you stop by our website, businessbros.biz. And for legal advice, stop by our guest, Nick Troxel's uh, law firm with his partner, Josh. It's troxelfitchlaw.com, troxelfitchlaw.com. We'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace. And we're out. It's over. Go home. Is your business in need of marketing? Try starting a podcast. But not just any podcast. Podcast like a pro. We can show you how to take your business from being invisible to becoming a brand people trust. Go to www.businessbro.